Recordy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Winchester Congress. This is the podcast where we take your questions. I'm James. I'm Dave, and while we might not be right... At least we have a Skype connection. I mean, we're always correct. Uh, We tried this once already and lost it. Uh, The good news is you'll be spared a totally worthless conversation about me debating whether or not to start a Twitter feed about things no one cares about. Um, So... Should we get right to the questions, David? Without further ado. Um, I'm re-logging into things, so why don't you read our first question? Do you have it in front of you? Sure, yeah. So uh, Dylan asks us, who's a person in history that is deserving of much more praise than he or she receives? Conversely, who's a person in history that is deserving of much less praise than he or she receives? I almost <laughs> ran out of... I was going to say, good work not breathing <laughs> as you read that. Um so, uh, Dave, do you want to do you want to uh, start off with the answering again? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, I feel like I have an outdated answer to this, uh, but it's just the first thing that came to mind, and that would be Nikolai Tesla as a person deserving much more praise than he or she receives, and Christopher Columbus is as no, you uh, got that wrong. Much less praise. Oh yeah, sorry, you got that right. Tesla deserves more, and yeah. And the oatmeal soundly beat you to uh, both of those punches. But only because Dylan didn't ask us this question a year and a half ago. Mayhaps. Um, the uh, use, I didn't think of this until now, but you saying Nikolai Tesla also made me think of Alan Turing. Mm. And that guy, I mean, that guy, like, he's, you know, a movie's about to come out with him where Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be him. Yeah. But, Prior to that, I mean, that guy was, like, by design almost excised from British history because he, like, languished in obscurity and died alone on account of being a homosexual. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, I didn't, and I didn't think of it till you said Tesla. You want to hear my first answer? Yeah. So my first answer, uh, who is also my Gmail avatar, is Erastus Brainerd. And this is a really, like obscure pocket but it's it's seattle history and as like i understand the it foundation probably that's a thing okay um he so incidentally he worked in he was an assayer i think i'm saying that right like he'd like figure out how much gold was in your gold um i think he was regardless he he's from like gold rush era seattle yo dog i heard you like gold so we put some gold in your gold Yep. Sorry. Um, but basically, like, if if I understand the history correctly, and I, I basically know it from reading Skid Road and a couple other things, so it, it's incomplete. But Erastus Brainerd probably deserves a great deal of credit for the fact that Seattle is a major metropolitan city because while he wasn't a founder like Denny or Maynard or any of those guys, Brainerd was like a booster and I, I think he took it on himself but when the the Yukon gold rush happened and everybody was heading for the Klondike he 
spearheaded. And like I said, I think he did this totally of his own volition. A PR campaign where he like ads were taken out in East Coast newspapers, basically constructing the narrative or the perception or whatever you want to call it, that if you're going to go to the Yukon to look for gold, you have to come to Seattle first to get provisioned. So like it was in like that's what made Seattle into a city was everybody who was Yukon bound came to Seattle to like buy their their gold pans and their ornery prospector cap with the bill flipped up in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, need one of those. Yeah, and their beard combs. But so anyway, but so Erastus Brainerd is the guy that like basically convinced the world that if you're gonna go hit up the gold rush, you gotta you gotta stop in Seattle first and spend all your money before going to Alaska and not getting any. So, uh, so that guy, cause I, I, in terms of, I've, I say this in my history class a lot when things like when there's a boom of any kind, don't go for the boom, open a store that sells supplies to the people who are going for the boom. Like you're not going to strike gold, but if you open a general store selling mining supplies, you will get rich. <laughs> Anyway, um, a person in history that's deserving of much less praise than he or she receives, Andrew Jackson. Oh. That guy is not cool, but he's on the $20 bill. <laughs> like, that guy, I mean, the only, the only way to forgive Andrew Jackson, and this is, I don't subscribe to this, but if you're looking for justification, is to really, really get behind the he was a man of his time defense. Right. Because he was just, I mean, he was a shady dude, but people of his own day loved him because he was so in touch with, like, the the zeitgeist, as it were. But, man, that guy, I would not want to be friends with that dude. Trail of Tears. The, he was the president, and the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that, and he did it anyway. Like... I don't care how in touch you are with the citizens. Like, oh man, that guy, that guy. I mean, he, in, and I'm not sure I'm going to go whole hog on this, but like in certain readings of history, he, he would probably be considered a war criminal. <laughs> like he, uh, yeah, he's a bad, he did some, he did some mean things to the native Americans. um, and was just like, kind of, I feel like he was just like a jerk. But that anyway, um, he definitely uh, uh, he exercised power in ways that I don't think the president was intended to. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, the other one, and this one, like it, it kind of isn't the right question, but because. Um, I don't think Stalin receives praise at all, ever. Right. But I don't think he's vilified as much as he should be. Like, I would, if you I would take certainly in, agree with that. Like, if you take into account the the um, the uh, Soviet famines in Ukraine and places like that, like his the death toll under Stalin is way bigger than than the death toll under Hitler. And that's not saying Hitler's a good guy. I'm just saying that's how bad Stalin is. And while people sort of tend to acknowledge that, like, like it's like cute to have Stalin on a T-shirt. Like you, you could never do that with Hitler. Right. Like Stalin is is sinister in ways that 
somehow escapes popular scrutiny. Like, people sort of acknowledge, like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to live under Stalin. But, like, yeah, that dude was a bad, bad dude. Similarly, Genghis Khan. Like, he's sort of cute and charming to the modern mind, but that dude was... That dude, you you would not have liked to make his acquaintance. Right. Like, perhaps one of the worst people in the world has ever known. <laughs> yeah, like, like the, the Mongols under Genghis Khan, like, straight... Like, successfully annihilated civilizations. Yeah. Like, down to the last not man, woman, and child. <laughs> yeah, plural. Like... Like there were some, there were some they merely brutally conquered, kidnapped, and conscripted, and then there were others that like they killed every single human there. But people are like, eh, Mongols. I was talking about this in a history class. It's like how Vikings and pirates are like charming in the the popular right. mind. But uh, but I guess I I sort of forgive that to an extent because it's so far in the past. Like there's no. It's so far gone, it's hard to really appreciate its magnitude. But like if we can if we can really if if Hitler can be the picture of evil and still like has a contemporary visceral like that guy is evil vibe, we should definitely have something comparable for Stalin. Agreed. Alright. Do you think like certain parts of the world probably do? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like some of the populations he tried to annihilate, yeah. or like you know, the the people who have any uh, experience or contact with gulags or famines right. of the era, because like there's there's people still alive who had, even if they didn't live through it personally, like they had a parent who did. You know, in the same way you can you can meet like there are Holocaust survivors who are still alive. Like there are people who survived some pretty horrific stuff under Stalin. But yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, like, like, I feel like Stalin is like, you can be ironic about Stalin. Right. But like Hitler is, you know, everyone understands how bad that guy is. And I, I wonder, I mean, this is the, the history teacher in me, but I, I, I wonder how much of that just has to do with the fact that the U, he was a U.S. ally, Stalin. I don't know. I think that's a huge part of it because we're the good guys, right? Right. Like we can't we can't vilify a one-time ally to that extent where where almost from the outset to his downfall Hitler was the ultimate enemy. Yeah. You know. Anyway, bad Stalin, bad. Um okay, on that uplifting note, should we get to our next question? Yes. Archibald Windsor asks, what color is the new black? Uh, if you're talking about Seattle this time of year, I'd say somewhere in between brown and green. Mm, I was going to say orange. Hmm. Not because of the show. I just like, I don't know. I feel a like, lot of orange. No, I just feel like it's trending. I'm the wrong person to ask this question. Yeah, seriously. I could name any color. I don't know. Let me think about this. What color what color do I see a lot in the halls these days? Um plaid. I mean that's the answer. It's not a color, but like oh. like plaid is totally the new black. I especially do wear a lot in, of plaid. 
Well, and I like I I struggle to put on a shirt in the morning that's not plaid. Like I don't have many, and the ones I have like feel out of touch. Like I have a couple solid colored shirts, and I'm like, when I wear these, I look like I haven't gone shopping in 15 years, <laughs> which is mostly true. Yeah. <laughs> I've said this before. I love being married for a lot of reasons. One of them is just that I don't have to shop for my own clothes. Like I like literally I have these awesome new shirts that they they were procured by me telling my wife like I should probably get some new shirts. Poof. Sarah gets on the internet, James gets new shirts. <laughs> Because it's like she she actually enjoys it. Like she enjoys the shopping, and I think she also enjoys like to an extent like dressing me up. Like she likes to, you know, yeah. it's not like it's not like a hobby, but you know what I mean. She like like she gets excited to have me try things on. Where I think trying on clothes might be one of the things I hate most in life. Like I have so many ill-fitting clothes simply for the fact that I tore the tags off and washed them before I ever put them on. <laughs> Um. So there you have it. That's episode ninety-five in the can, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Real quickly, David. Yes. Uh, is the Seahawks season just over at this point? Uh, yeah, I. You know, I was watching the game this morning, and I was asking my buddy. I was like, "What happened to this team that that they like went from winning the Super Bowl to being slightly better than mediocre?" It's, well, and like, I you know, so this question is, is, are they even going to make the playoffs? Right. Well, and, and what is it like one of the last 20 teams or something to win the Super Bowl didn't make the playoffs the following year? Yeah. There's some crazy stat about that. But the one thing I will say is if they suddenly turn it around, basically the rest of their schedule is their own division. Mm-hmm. So they they sort of have the double impact of picking up a win and delivering a loss. So I feel like if they go on a serious tear, they still got a chance. But I I think that's the only way they they do it. Yeah. So. We'll see. I'm still watching the games. I'm still enjoying them. But yeah, it's not last year. That's for sure. I still think about the games and how I can't watch them. (laughs) I'm really into the I'm really into the Sounders, though. Uh, yeah, you know, like the because well. the, here's the thing, like I know that especially talking to people here in Chicago who like they like laugh when I bring up the MLS, they it's they just basically see it as a some poor Seattleite just fishing for a, a, a sports team that is consistently competitive. Um, but given that they're they're chasing the treble, uh, I mean that that. It, We'll see how it shakes out, but just the idea of like they would be the first, mm-hmm. and there's no taking that away. Like yeah. the Seahawks, right? There could be a different Super Bowl champion this year, but if the Sounders can manage to be the first team to to get the treble, like they will always be the first team, right? Exactly. And and so I'm super I'm super jazzed about it, and it's just like, you know, it's not going to be easy. These games against the Galaxy are going to be hardcore. And I don't know. It's it's uh, pretty excited. They've pretty, been pretty fun to watch this year. Well, and I'm just I'm glad because they so next Sunday's game I think is at like four o'clock my time, and then the 
the second leg with the galaxy is at like a, it's at like a reasonable hour. It's, it's, I think it's at eight. Yeah. So that's nice. And they're all it's at a point now too where they're all on, uh, you know, outlets where I can watch them. So I may not be able to watch the Seahawks be mediocre, but I, I am very enthusiastically uh, watching the Sounders. And with that, we leave you. Uh, so the, my final question for you, David, is what's your problem? No problem, James. All right. Well, I'll see you in episode 96. All right.